Um, but it's my distinct privilege to introduce our guest speaker this weekend. Uh, Pastor Mark Gunger travels uh, extensively, uh, speaking to thousands every year on the topic of marriage. He's one of the most sought-after uh, speakers in the country on this topic of marriage and family. And uh, it took us a couple years to, to even uh, get, his, get his schedule freed up enough where we could have him. We've been wanting to have him for a little bit now. But uh, he's here, and I'm telling you, God is using him in a very, very unique way. He's got a lot of resources out there, written several uh, books, uh, high-selling books on these topics, and so he does have a table out there and will tonight as well, uh, but he also pastors a great church in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, Celebration Church with several campuses all over Wisconsin, actually, uh, but we are, we're honored to have him, and I want you, uh, Faith Assembly across all of our campuses, I want you to go crazy as we welcome today's guest speaker, Pastor Mark Gunger, as he comes to share God's Word. Buenos dias. Estoy feliz porque ustedes están aquí esta mañana. I forgot to take my gum out. <laughs> I look like a cow. There we go. Good to be here in Orlando. Or as I like to call it, little San Juan. <laughs> and good morning to the Michigan Street Campus people. And Redbug. Redbug. See, the, the bugs are so big here, they get their own roads. That is massive, so seriously, you got cockroaches you could put saddles on and ride around. <laughs> man, oh man, it was good to have all of y'all, all y'all with us, as well as all those watching online, all over the world on the internet. Uh, this morning, I want to share f uh, from a book that I wrote, tell you the uh, backstory on this book. I have uh, six little chubby-faced monkeys called grandchildren. How many, how many of y'all got grandchildren? Isn't it the most fabulous experience in life? It really is. It is God's reward for not killing your children. <laughs> Grandparents and grandchildren have a special connection. Uh, we share a common enemy. <laughs> anyway, they, they like it when you read them stories. And they call me Poppy. Poppy, Poppy, read us a story, Poppy. So then you read these, you know, they have these big illustrated books with the simple little stories and stuff. And I'm reading this one night and I go, oh, I, I love this format. I want to write a book like this. So I did. But this is not a book for children. You'll, you'll traumatize your children. But I figure it's the perfect relationship book for men because it's short, to the point, and it has pictures. Yes, all right, so. It's called The Beatitudes of Marriage. Now, our Lord Jesus, on, on his famous Sermon of the Mount, gave his Beatitudes, which is a fancy word for blessings. That's when he said, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor, all that kind of thing. So I wanted to give my Beatitudes for marriage, but they're, they're not blessings. 
it's just a play off the word beatitude. They're attitudes you should be. They're be attitudes. And you take these attitudes and incorporate them in your life, it'll help you in any relationship, whether you're married or not. And, uh, uh, and it'll help you, especially in something as complex as marriage. And I'm so looking forward to this uh, conference this afternoon. I hope you're all coming. If your spouse uh, doesn't want to come or can't come, who cares? Come without them. And uh, we'll have a blast. And if you're single, you should come because you need to learn about crazy before you get there. All right? <laughs> Eyes open. Eyes open, people. Anyway, so these attitudes you should be. They're be attitudes. All right? So we're going to go through this this morning. Um, our first one is be nice. Everybody say be nice. Be nice. Yeah. A lot of people think, oh, I don't have to be nice. I'm, I'm married. <laughs> but marriage is not a permission slip to be as mean as a rattlesnake. All right? And, and you know what it is? It's, people have bought into this nonsense that, you know, we hear from our secular culture, right? That, uh, you know, most important thing in marriage is that you're honest with how you feel. <laughs> so you have normally sane people, wouldn't hurt a fly, sweet people, they come to church, they praise the Lord, they shake everybody's hand, and they go home, and all the demons come out. <laughs> and they start yelling and screaming at it. Stop it! For heaven's sakes! Marriage is not permission to be mean. But seriously, this stuff we get from our circular culture, the psychological community, the, you know, it, it gets in our heads. And people act this stuff out. And they tell us, you know, it's bad to hold things in. Don't hold in your emotions, right? It's bad for you. Hogwash. The Bible says only a fool gives full vent to their emotions. Who are you going to listen to? And by the way, the latest psychological studies are showing that, in fact, they have been wrong all these decades. That it is the people who do not everything out who are the healthiest psychologically and emotionally. Just spitting everything. And by the way, I'm not talking about ladies. Some of the worst sinners are the men, right? The husbands, even the quiet ones. And they get home, they just blah, 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 stop. Now, I've had the privilege of being married to two different women, not at the same time. And uh, there's my late wife, Debbie, we were married for 45 years, and uh, she passed away a few years ago. Now there's my late wife, Deanna. She's still alive. She's just always, you know, late. Uh, <laughs> stand up, my love. See if the cameras can see for the campuses. The beautiful blonde. <laughs> I, I figured out how to talk redhead. Now I'm learning blonde. It's a different language. All right. <laughs> of course, she marries a Puerto Rican, right? So I, I marry a gringa. And, uh, <laughs> and she says to me, stop yelling. I'm not yelling. <laughs> You're yelling. No, this is the way we talk. That's the way I talk, you know, so anyway. What was I talking about? Oh, uh, being nice. Don't get, not my, my Debbie, you know, people would ask, how have you guys been married for so long? I always said, because we're not honest with how we feel. 
Who does that? Only crazy people do that. Goodness gracious, I'm sure this morning she woke up, looked at me, and felt like she was blessed by God. I'm certain there was morning she woke up, looked at me, and was convinced she married the spawn of hell. A simple good morning will suffice. You're not under any obligation to share all of your emotions all the time. What should I say? I don't know. Is it nice? Be nice. Now, that doesn't mean you can't fight. I'm all for fighting. I'm Puerto Rican. We fight just for the sport. All right? But, it, but, but at least, and we talk loud. And, 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 but it has a point. But I'm talking this unending. Every time you think, stop. Be nice to people. Quit being so caught up in your emotions all the time. Listen to me. Escúchame. Your feelings are not your friend. We're obsessed with our feelings today. Oh, oh, my feelings. It's got all these snowflakes all over America melting like. <laughs> my wickedness. Like, like the wickers of Oz when they threw water on the witch. They just melt away because somebody said something they didn't like. Really? What has happened to America? When your pastor and I grew up back in the 1800s, Nobody cared about feelings. Good grief. All obsessed about stop living by how you feel. I guarantee you the most successful people financially in this room right now are people who do not listen to how they feel. And I guarantee you the most failing people in this room right now are people who are obsessed with how they feel. Your feelings are not your friend. And it's not going to help you with your faith. You want to be a successful Christian? Stop being obsessed with how you feel. You feel like reading the Bible? No. Do you feel like praying? No. You ever fast? There's a party. <laughs> and the reason most American Christians do not fast, pray, or read their Bibles is because they don't feel like it. I mean, come on. We got to break out of this insanity. Doesn't matter. Live by what you believe, don't live by how you feel. Just move on, Mark. Okay. So that's the first chapter. Chapter two. Be content. Everybody say, be content. What does that mean? That means be happy. Learn to be happy. Don't think something has to change before you can be happy. If you're one of these people who feels something else or somebody else has to change before you can be happy, you will be a victim all of your life. And enjoy your life. Quit whining about everything. I tell my people in my church, enjoy the road you're on. It might be a dead end. They say, how will I know? When you get to the end. If it's a dead end, turn around and just go another way, for heaven's sake. Just, ah! That train, that, that, that light coming at the end of the tunnel, might be another train coming at you. Don't stand there and stare at it. Get out of the way. Quit freaking out all the time. Learn to be happy. Have you learned the secret? Paul wrote in Philippians, the fourth chapter, about the secret. He says, I've learned the secret. Now, here's the thing about secrets. The reason they're secrets is because most people don't know it. 
and most of you don't know it. I'm going to tell you the secret this morning. This is when he writes that famous verse, I can do all these things through Christ who gives me strength. We often quote it as a victory verse. It's really not so much of a victory verse. We got great ones if you need them. It's more of my life really stinks verse. Because what he says is just before it, I know what it's like to be miserable. I know it's like to have something and have nothing. I know what it's like to have food and have nothing to eat. I just, he says, but I have learned the secret. What's the secret? He says, I've learned to be content no matter what my circumstances. That's the secret. And that's when he says, because I can do all these things. What things? These lousy, miserable things through Christ who gives me strength. Things don't have to change for me to be happy. James said, count it pure joy when everything in your life goes wrong. Who does that? But it's not what we're called to do. And the context is like having a celebration. It's like having all your friends go, we're going to have a party. What are we celebrating? <laughs> My life sucks. Woo! <laughs> Why would we celebrate that? Because it doesn't matter. We can still be happy. Don't live in the world if I'd rather be, oh, if just this would happen, or if I just had that. Pastor, if I had a new car, I could be happy. If I had a new house, I could be happy. If I hadn't married this idiot and married the other idiot, I'd be so much happier. <laughs> Stop. You need to learn to be happy. And you single girls, we're all the single girls. Raise your hands. Ah, uh, me. okay. Escucha me. Marriage was not designed to make you happy. And all the married people said, amen. <laughs> Besides, you girls, you really think a man is going to make you happy. <laughs> He's going to drive you insane. Listen, if you're a lonely, empty, miserable soul, do us all a favor. Stay single. Okay? Because a lonely, empty, miserable soul that marries another lonely, empty, miserable soul just makes a marriage of two miserable, lonely, empty souls. You're supposed to be happy in the first place. Now, there was a study done at a university, and universities tend to study the stupidest things on earth. I don't know where they get the money for this nonsense. But this school wanted to study the effect of smiles. What does the smile say? So they took college yearbook, old college yearbooks, and they rated the people with the best smiles. And they boiled it down. They got to the top 10% of the very best smiles. And then they went now and interviewed these people who are now decades later in life. What they discovered shocked them, amazed them. They said these people, all of them, were extraordinarily successful and happy. And what got my attention, this is, and amazingly, and, and this isn't Bible college kids, okay? This is typical American heathens. All right. <laughs> he said, not a single one in our study, we discovered, not a single one had been divorced. Not a one. They said the correlation was so strong, they said you could literally predict the marital outcomes of people based on their pictures as children. Isn't that fascinating? Now, this is not about smiles. You may not have any teeth at all. <laughs> this is about being content, being happy. People who are by nature happy tend to succeed more in life. Now, think of it from a faith perspective. What group of the people in the world should be more happy than us? Right? 
We've been born again. Our sins have been forgiven. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Not walking around mully grubbing all the time. Be content. Next chapter. Be connected. Everybody say, be connected. What does that mean? You married people. Get some friends. Oh, no, Pastor, we have friends. I have my friends, and he has his friends. No, 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 no. We all have psychotic, crazy people. We call our friends. It's because they think like us. I'm talking about couple friends. If you do not regularly get together with other couples and talk your crazy through, you are headed for a disaster. Of course, men don't like this. You know, no one should know our business. I'm a man. I'm a man. <laughs> I'm a man. No one should know our business. Yeah, you're going to talk to somebody about your business eventually. Maybe a lawyer. <laughs> Don't be an idiot. Talk your business out with people. Because when you talk it out with other people, they'll see stuff you don't see. I want the thermostat at 70. She wants it at 72. I want it at 70. Your friends might say, have you tried 71? <laughs> That's amazing. I never thought of that before, you know. Listen, marriage was not designed to be two people on an island all by themselves. If it is just you and your spouse on an island, you will turn into cannibals and you'll eat each other. <laughs> Get off the island! Now, I'm not talking about La Isla del Encanto. <laughs> Although, notice we're all not on that island. <laughs> I'm talking about little tiny islands. Nobody but you. All right. What am I talking about? Oh, next one. Be prepared. Everybody say, be prepared. You see, he's, he's, wearing, he's wearing armor. Do you know why you wear armor? Because somebody is trying to hurt you. If you're in a situation where people are trying to hurt you, they would put on armor. All right? We're supposed to wear armor. Why? Something is trying to hurt you. And it's more than just your mother-in-law. <laughs> it's the devil. And he's going to use your mother-in-law and everybody else they can, throwing darts at you. You need to put on some armor. Be prepared. Don't be shocked when things go. I've never understood as a person of faith all my life, and I'm 112 years old. I have never understood all my life people who are shocked when things go bad. I don't understand it. We're people of faith. Read the Bible. It warns. Peter said, don't be surprised at the trial you're going through as if some strange thing is happening to you. But people are shocked when something goes on. They're shocked. I think, what world do you live in? Of course things go on. This place is kind of miserable. The good news is we die. And we get out of here. I, I, I've heard some unbelievers say, you know, I, I believe heaven is on earth. Really? Sucks to be you. Because this is not heaven. Life is hard. It's really, really hard. That's why you single people, when you're looking for someone to marry, look for someone of character. Somebody you can do life with. Don't, don't get so caught up in how cute they are. See, character will last you a lifetime. Sexy has a shelf life. <laughs> it does. And some of us have hit our expiration dates, I'm sad to say. It is what it is. What are you going to do? Life is hard. Now, it comes in two versions. Number one, sometimes life is unpredictable. You can't make stuff up. 
Some of the stuff's going to come at you. Man, be ready. Get some armor on. I remember a few years ago when my wife was going through chemotherapy, they gave her the wrong chemo, almost killed her. They quick rushed her to the intensive care unit for days. They're trying to pull her back from the end. I mean, it messed her up bad. Finally, they stabilized her and sent her home with me. (laughs) And by the way, if you're really sick and you look up and the only person you see is me, this is a bad day for you. All right? Because I don't know nothing about nothing. And when I take her home, she's all drugged up. Just like, you know, Saturday night, we get home, put her in bed. I go to sleep. Next morning, I got to go to work. It's Sunday morning. Time to get up. I look over at her. She just sleeps. And I went in the bathroom, closed the door. Went in the next room, closed the door. I'm meditating upon the throne. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, at that same time, I had a younger brother living with us. Uh, His wife had kicked him out of the house. He deserved it. But we're Latinos, and Latinos cannot escape family. That's why it's so hard to fill out those employment forms. Nearest nearest relative not living with you. They all live with me. What kind of racist thing is this? No, he moves on. He's supposed to be there seven weeks. Nine months later, he's still there. He's living in the basement. We called him the basement troll. And he's all depressed and his life is awful. I keep yelling at him to snap out of it. Apparently, yelling at depressed people is not helpful. Who knew? I had my own problems. Anyway, all that week, we're dealing with Deb, and nobody's paying attention to him. He goes days, all this time, with no sleep. By that time we got to that night, he has this complete manic breakdown. He just goes nuts. And he comes up the steps that morning, marches in the kitchen, and threatens to kill me. The problem is, I'm not in the kitchen. <laughs> My wife wakes up and hears him threatening to kill me. She freaks out, so she calls the police. You gotta come right away, he's gonna hurt my husband. And he's, she's sitting on the end of the bed. And I come walking out of the bathroom, she goes, what are you doing here? I live here. <laughs> I, I thought you were in the kitchen. Your brother's going to hurt you. Now, I think she's hallucinating, right? Because she's on all the drugs. And, and she says, well, I called the police. I was, oh, man. All of a sudden, you can hear him pull up. We quick ran outside. Well, I put on some pants. And we ran outside. And the cop looks at me and says, sir, somebody trying to hurt you. And I look at the cop. And I look at my wife. And I look at the cop. Now, you know that look your wife can give you? That I'm going to kill you look? (laughs) You ought to see that look when you're trying to tell a cop right in front of her that she's crazy. This is not a good look. I said, listen, man, she's on drugs. And she's getting red in the face. And as I am speaking, all cars come zooming down. Police cars with their lights on. They jump out. They don't even pull over. Just stop in the middle of the road. Jump out. They got their weapons pulled. They're surrounding the house. So what's going on? He says, he called in. He said he's going to blow up the building. My wife looks at me and says, I told you. But now I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what do the neighbors think? It's Sunday morning at the pastor's house. The popo are everywhere. I can picture the old couple next to us looking through their curtains. I knew they had a crack house in there. Something wrong with them people. So what happened? Well, they finally got him. What'd you do? We laughed. We laughed and we had tears running down our faces. Just another day in the Gunger house. Why didn't you freak out? 
because we got our armor on, right? It's just another day. Some of y'all be needing counseling for three years if something like that happened to you because you don't have your armor on. Sometimes life is unpredictable. That's problem number one. Problem number two is sometimes life is predictable. And that can get frustrating, particularly for the females. Because nothing is more frustrating to a woman than having to revisit the same issues with a man. They say to me, Pastor, why do I have to keep dealing with this over and over and over again? I say, because he's still breathing. <laughs> See, you girls, you girls make this mistake. You think when you've discussed something with a man, you fix something. <laughs> you haven't fixed anything. Because you'll have your big discussion and then he'll be coming round the mountain when he goes. And then you have to deal with it again. He'll be coming round the mountain. And then you have to deal with it again. He'll be coming round the mountain. He'll be coming. Instead of freaking out, you ought to be thinking, you know, he should be coming around the mountain right about now. <laughs> Need to come this afternoon because that's the really funny stuff. This, this is the serious stuff, all right? Next chapter, be proactive. Everybody say proactive. proactive. What does that mean? It means on purpose. You do life on purpose. Why? Because the Bible says you will reap what you sow. Nobody can escape it. Nobody. Doesn't matter how pretty you are. Doesn't matter how much money you got. Doesn't matter how educated you are. It doesn't matter. You might be in church all your life. It will still affect you. It affects everybody. What does that mean? It means if your life stinks, it's because you're doing stinking things. And people don't want to hear that. Right? Why is my marriage terrible? Because you're doing terrible things. Now, in all fairness to a lot of people today, they don't know how to do it anymore. People used to know how to do life. That's why the church is here. That's why the pastor brings the word of God to show you how to do life so you can succeed. But we come from relationships today. You know, people used to learn from their parents and their grandparents. But we're at least five generations of dysfunctional psychos in America today. And nobody knows how to do this marriage thing anymore. That's why we're doing this afternoon, five o'clock. Be here. We're going to show you how to do it. It's not that complicated. But when you don't know, you don't know. You leave this afternoon, you're going to go home and say, okay, I get it. This is how we do it. You will reap what you sow. If you do the right thing, you'll succeed all the time. If you don't, you will fail. Well, think of it in reverse. Am I succeeding or am I failing? If I'm failing, I'm doing the wrong things. Learn how to do it right, and you will succeed because it works for everybody. Next chapter. Be clear. Everybody say, be clear. Be clear. Habla inglés. <laughs> what does this mean? Now, in every relationship, husband or wife, one of them is way more emotive than the other one. Usually the wife, but not always. Sometimes it's the husband. Right. Here's the problem with emotive people. They feel things so deeply, they cannot imagine the other person doesn't see it. But if you don't tell them, they don't see it. You mad? <laughs> you know I'm mad. I told you I was mad. <laughs> When'd you do that? <laughs> Remember, we were talking and I went, <sighs> I thought you had gas. 
You sighing, flipping your hair, rolling your eyes, that's not communicating. You need to be clear. Now, because this tends to be more of a female challenge, I'm going to give some advice to you girls. This will help you. How to get a man to do what you want him to do. Might want to write these down. Three simple steps. Step number one, ask. Well, why can't he see what needs to be done around here? Because we don't care. Why is that underwear there? I, I think that's a great place for it. I, that place needed underwear on his spot right there. Get mad because he doesn't see what needs to be done. And if he really loved me, I wouldn't have to ask. And all these other delusional things. And the moon doesn't really follow you when you drive at night either. You need to ask for what you want. Number two, you need to ask more than once. Ladies, asking a man to do something once is like never having asked him to do it at all. <laughs> Say, why is that? Why is it? Because we don't want to do it. Is this really a shock to you girls? Here's the news flash. If we wanted to do it, we'd have done it already. And why do you care what he wants? Because I know you girls. I know you. Not only do you want him to do it, you want him to want to do it. <laughs> Estás loca. <laughs> Just want to do it? What do you care what he wants? Just ask. He doesn't do it. Ask again. I said, that's, that's nagging. No, it's not. Nagging kicks in when you add an attitude to it. That's when the nagging kicks in. Why do we got to keep reminding? Because we're just guys. We're always in take mode. You know, women are always in give mode. They love to give, 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 give. You get a bunch of ladies together. They're all giving to each other. Oh, I love your hair. I love your shoes. I love your outfit. La, 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 la. Right? Men, we don't do that. We don't. No, we insult each other. Serious. That's what men, we get together. That's fail, man. You're fat, you're ugly. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. I appreciate that. You know, if you see a group of men together and they're not insulting each other, they don't know each other yet. That's how you always know. Because that's men. So we're takers. Women are givers, men are takers. So we're always in take mode. Take, 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 take. And his wife says, Honey, will you do such and such for me? And his left brain says to his right brain, You hear something? Right brain goes, no, I didn't hear nothing. Tick, 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 tick. And then finally, number three, don't insult when you ask. What's the matter with you? Can't you pick up the laundry? Nope. I wish I could. I just cannot do it. Now, I know some of you girls are thinking, no, Pastor, if I had a godly man... A godly man. A godly man. You mean a man like God? All right, forget about your husband for a minute. Let's talk about you and God. If you want something from God, what's the first thing you have to do? Even though God, unlike your husband, actually knows what you want before you ask him. But if you don't ask him, you're not getting jack squat out of God. 
Number two, what did Jesus teach us? You need to ask more than. Yeah, that proves God's a man right there. <laughs> Jesus said, ask, keep on asking, not keep on asking. Why is that? Why do you ask why? I don't know. And finally, number three, you don't insult God when he doesn't move according to your timetable. Hey! See, apparently your husband's more godly than you thought. <laughs> Next one. Be doers. Everybody say be doers. be doers. What does that mean? It means you actually have to do it. <laughs> do things. Just learning about the truth won't help you. James wrote that we have to be doers of the word. Right? Now here's the problem. Men and women don't want to be doers. None of us want to be doers. But we approach it differently. Okay, here's the thing. With men, if a man hears the truth, he feels compelled to act upon the truth. The way he counters it is he says, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it, woman. I don't want to hear it. Why more guys, more guys aren't, aren't in church? I don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. You gave me 100 men in a room. And I say, you need to love your wives like Christ loved the church. 100 men will go, Okay. Okay. But see, women are different. They like to hear it. Ah, ah, I just love words. Words. Words is the magic of Ladyland. And we love beautiful words. But they don't want to do it either. They just like to ask questions. Yeah. Give me 100 women in a room and I say, you need to respect your husband. I'll get 99 different versions of what does it mean to respect? <laughs> do you have a Bible study about respect? Could you write a book about it? Could we do a small group study about respect? Really? Just asking questions? You're still not doing it. What does it mean to respect? Oh, it's such a difficult concept. Next one. Be patient. Never say be patient. Man, it takes a while to get this. Don't get discouraged. It takes a while to figure this stuff out, this whole marriage thing. Listen, if you're under 10 years in this, you're a rookie. You don't know Jack, Jack. Just hang in there. What do I do if I'm at the end of my rope? Tie a knot. <laughs> hey, I hear from people all the time, Pastor, we've been married for, for a year and we're in hell. Pastor, we've been married for six months and we're in hell. I think seriously? It should take you years to get to hell. How are you getting to hell so fast? <laughs> no patience, these people. No more. Things don't straighten out right away. Really? Relax. It takes a while to get this. And here's the good news for you girls. You can eventually get a man where you want him. The bad news is then he dies. <laughs> It took so long. <laughs> Marriage is a race, but there's two kinds of races. There's sprints and there's marathons. You know what the most important thing of a sprint is? The start. That's why they practice getting in those blocks and coming out. They do that over and over and over and over again. Why? If you don't start right, you'll never make it. People have made the mistake today. They think marriage is a sprint. That's why some of you are so obsessed with making sure everything is perfect before they get married. And you parents and grandparents, quit telling your kids this nonsense. 
Oh, you gotta wait. You know, don't, don't. You've only been dating for 18 years. You want to slow down a little bit, you know. And, and you know, I mean, you know, you're only 49. Don't rush anything, you know. So, stop it. I gotta wait till you get out of college. Says who? And by the way, if they're very close and in love, just get them married. What do you think they're doing at night? Praying. No, they're studying the laying on of hands. <laughs> Get a clue. Let them do life right in the first place. This nonsense. You got to have college before you get married is absurd. Stop it. Goodness gracious. What about college? What about it? Every study has shown that married kids do better in college than the single ones. Particularly the boys. They're finally getting sex. They can think about something else for five minutes. <laughs> Right? You guys remember this, right? Sitting in class, the guy's talking, you see some pretty girl, all you hear is, nah. you can't even think. Make sure you have enough money. <sighs> Who has enough money? I still don't have enough money. <laughs> Quit telling all this nonsense. Well, I don't want them to have a hard time in the beginning. That's the problem. All studies have shown that the people who start marriage with the most difficult circumstances are the ones who build marriages that last for a lifetime. And then we as parents, were trying to get them to get rid of every obstacle in their life before they get married. You know what you're teaching them? You're teaching them that marriage can only exist if everything's perfect. And it's a bad lesson because I guarantee you at some point it ain't going to be perfect anymore. And then they're going to fall apart. Stop with this perfect start. Now, you know, girls, you want to start, boys, start the best you can. You know, if he walks like a skunk, talks like a skunk, smells like a skunk, he's a skunk. Move on. But I can change him. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> and by the way, everyone's going to have a single people come to me and say, can you help us? Can you counsel us? We're really struggling and, and we're dating. My answer is always no. Even if I could, I would not do it. If you need counseling before you get married, you are out of your ever-loving mind. All right? You're supp this is supposed to be the best ever when you're dating. If you're having problems, that means dump the bum and move on. That's what it means. Andale, andale! Marriage is a marathon. You ever see the start of a marathon? Everybody's just standing around doing nothing because nobody cares about the start. The gun could go off. You could fall down, have 10 people step on your head, get up and still win. It's not about the start. It's about the running. You just keep running. You start out, you're excited. You're full of energy. And then you feel like you're going to die. <coughs> and then you get your second win and you think you're going to live forever. Woo! And then you think you're going to die. <laughs> That's marriage. All right? People say, Pastor, I feel like we're going to die. What should I do? Keep running. Here's some water. And then finally, be dead. Everybody say, be dead. What does that mean? Look, you can't possibly read the New Testament and not come away with the sense that God wants to kill you. Not the physical you, but the selfish part of you. 
How many times do we read, lay down your life, pick up your cross, deny yourself, crucified with Christ? God wants to kill you. And there is no more institution perfectly more designed to kill you than marriage. <laughs> because you can't do it and stay selfish. It's impossible. And all marriages end for one reason and one reason only. Y'all listen? You guys over there in Redbug? They all end for only one reason. Somebody gets selfish. That's it. Somebody gets selfish. That's the death knell. And if there's any group of people in the world who should know we shouldn't be selfish, it's Christians. If we're following Jesus. And look, it's hard, right? There's no interest like self-interest. Paul wrote about it. He said, at the end of the day, everybody looks out for themselves. I get it. But our goal is to not always be selfish. And you know, I know we, we teach you how to pray and trust God for miracles and answers to your prayer without a question. But sometimes I think maybe people misunderstand. Listen to me. We're not saying you should get everything that you want. Nobody gets everything they want. Well, I prayed, God didn't answer my prayer. Yeah, he did. No is an answer. Do you have children? Is it good to give them everything they want? No, listen to her, she's not happy. I love babies. Sound of life. That's what I think. Hallelujah. What was I talking about? Oh. <laughs> you know, it's like someone sits on the remote control of my brain and keeps flipping channels from time to time. I'm watching a movie and all of a sudden it's a Western. What happened? All of a sudden it just it's changed on me right away. Okay. Uh, God doesn't want you to have everything that you want. Paul once prayed about this. He was really struggling. He said, man, I, Lord, I got this thorn in my flesh. Can you remove it? You know what the Lord said? No. What? No. You'll be fine. It doesn't feel fine. You won't die. You'll be fine. Sometimes you've got to realize you're not going to die. We'll be fine. Jesus gave us the parable that unless a... Oh, grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. You remember the story? And that describes so many people. They're planted in the dirt and they won't let go. And life is miserable for them. And they're cold all the time and it's dark. They can't move. And they can't breathe. They come for counseling. Pastor, <coughs> Pastor, I'm breathing dirt all the time. It's so dark in here. What do I do? What do I do? Die already. Because if we'll learn to let go, and let God, new life will burst out of you. You don't receive from God with a closed hand around what you want. You receive from God with an open palm. All right? Let's, look, at things aren't always going to be perfect. What if your wife never changes? What if your husband never changes? What, are you going to be depressed for the rest of your life? At some point, you just got to let go, let God, trust God. And I promise you, if you'll do this, new life will come. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your kindness and grace. Lord, it is so easy to talk about this stuff. It's a lot harder to actually do it. But Lord, help us to be doers of the word. Help us learn to let go, to be content, to get close to people, to do life intentionally. Father, help us to be the kind of people that not always hanging on and angrily about everything we got to have the way we want it. Help us learn to let go and to let God and so new life will burst out of us we will climb up through the dirt of this world 
and into the sunshine of your glorious grace and be able to share with others the wonderful grace that you have shown to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. See you this afternoon.